First of all, the healed feminine is going to heal this planet. Not just women, the healed feminine, almost especially in men. Can I deviate away from my conditioned normalcy? And can I start looking at a much deeper intimacy? When you look inside your heart, you see that your heart really loves life and really embraces life and doesn't have that same fear and that that's really the, the source of your courage. You first travel into the shadow. How is that, how is that, how is that impacting my life? It really shifts the energy so quickly in the mind, in the body, it, because you're not dismissing, you're not fighting the ego, you're not fighting the small self. You're welcoming it in, but you're just saying, hey, I actually know what I want, and I'm choosing to change that for myself. Hey, Soul Family, this is your host, Nick Walker, and welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast, the hub of all things physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. The mission here is simple. How can we tap into our highest power and well-being as individuals and leverage that foundation to create more joy, freedom, love, fulfillment, and success? not only for ourselves, but for the world at large. So today I'm extremely excited to bring you Miss Hallie Rose. Hallie is an entrepreneur, a podcast host, and very fascinatingly, is that a word? Fascinatingly? Um, It was fascinating to me that Hallie is a coach, but not your typical like life coach. I mean, I guess you could say that to some degree, but she is um, a facilitator um, and a coach for like men's groups. So, you know, throughout this conversation, you know, we, we do talk about masculinity and femininity. Um, but I really appreciated like how, and I was really able to tell like how balanced Tally was in her expression. Um, and how balanced she was in those masculine and feminine energies. Um, And that was just able to just add some very... um, I liked the dimensionality that her energy brought to this conversation. Um, And so for that reason, you know, it doesn't really... You know, it seems like a one-size-fits-all conversation and I'm, I'm very confident that no matter who you are <laughs> you will be able to get something out of this conversation so yeah enjoy this conversation with Hallie Rose everyone welcome to the soul food for thought podcast and today I'm excited to bring you Hallie Rose she's an entrepreneur and the host of the thought room podcast Hallie, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Nick. I know we had to reschedule this a couple times and and you've been so flexible and I'm so excited to finally be on your show and be here. Mm -hmm. That's the best and thank you for being here. I find it, um, you know, I'm always grateful whenever like shows are like rescheduled because I know like, especially if it's like a few weeks or like a month, like, or like a month later, I'm like, okay, like I know that this con- the nature of this conversation is going to be so much different and so much better because of the experiences that I will have prior to that conversation. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. Just kind of trusting in the divine timing of the way that things play out and not swimming against the current, you know, because we can, we can choose any situation and we can suffer against it if we want, or we can just take it as it is and, and trust that things are flowing the way that they need to. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my first question for you is what is alive for you right now? Ooh, Mm. juicy question. So what is alive for me right now is I'm in this interesting space of the feeling that you get after you're working on one thing for a very, very, very long time, and then you put it out there, and then you have that sort of awkward spaciousness after the thing where you've just kind of been in the spiral of building the thing, and then the thing's out there, and so now I'm kind of like, mindfully being aware not to just throw myself into the next thing because that's the human addiction is just to be in that hamster wheel of doing and a couple weeks ago I launched my biggest offering yet which is a 12-week program for men only called the conscious man and it's a a a deep dive group coaching experience on sacred sexuality and conscious masculinity And so I've been building it for more than nine months and spent a lot of time in the woods alone in Canada uh, in a tiny little cabin on the lake, just just really deeply sitting into the material that was coming up, reflecting on my own experiences as a woman, battling through some of my own resistances of who am I to deserve to bring this material to a group of men, you know, and um, who will listen and, and kind of like just looking at all those stories in the face and where they were rooted inside of me. And so that was a lot of work. And when I say work, I don't just mean, you know, material work. It was also deep personal work and healing of my own wounds to be able to carry this program and and to kind of birth it into the world. So that happened just two weeks ago. And now I'm deeply engaged with this, this small group of men and we're unpacking their woundings, their societal conditioning, their stories, their shame, their desires, and we're really going into it together. So that's what's alive in me. I'm, I feel almost moved to tears daily reading the messages and reflections and honest videos that these men are posting in our group. And it just feels like such a gift to be able to bear witness to their unfolding and hold space for that process as a woman who has been on the other side, you know, receiving, I suppose, a lot of that negative uh, sexual energy and projection and anger earlier on in years of my life and having to move through the stages of grief and anger and resentment and pain and all of that to now be on the other side of it and able to look at men and not blame them, you know, not blame men for being bad or toxic coming from this place of deep compassion and and healed understanding of just the way that things are and noticing it and 
accepting it, but also desiring to change it and setting the intention to do so. So that's what's most alive in me right now. That's so powerful. And I really respect you for for stepping into that space <laughs> because I, I've, I've never heard of, a, of um, I don't think I've heard of a woman <laughs> who has, you know, been able to, um, or has even, I don't even know if, if many women are called to do that, you know, um, but to step into that space and like, I can, I can really tell like how grounded you are. And so I really respect that and your energy and yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. So who are you? <laughs> Nick, you like to come out the gate with just some, just some simple <laughs> questions, right? So who are you? Um, are you asking me the the labels that my my ego is connected to in this lifetime or you know what what does that question really mean to you mm-hmm. is it like the roles and the jobs and the masks i wear or no not the masks like what do you feel is your relationship to life mm. or to god to the universe My relationship to life is a student, a student of life, and I desire to also be a teacher, a teacher and a student. The teaching comes from being the humble student. The teaching comes from doing the work on myself and sanding out the rough aspects of of me in order to become smoothed by the light of the divine and to emanate the sort of energy that I would like to to see in the world and at the end of my life my hope is that I was true to myself that I lived feeling fully alive and in doing that, invited others and gave others permission to do so and hopefully left this place just a little bit better than before I came. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful response. And that that channels right into, you know, what's alive for me. Because for me right now, it's like I'm, you know, I would also describe myself as a student, of course. You know, I'm, I, I've always been drawn to to understanding my reality, just like every single part of it, understanding my relationship to everything. And, you know, through that, I've been called at, a, at quite a young age to, you know, share my truths um, and to come out and, you know, say some things that perhaps to some people... Um, you know, what's just alive for me is like really being able to step into that power of just sharing. So quite frankly, today I had I um I went on an Instagram for my first Instagram live. And so, you know, I've done like, you know, I've done the solo videos on Instagram, like, you know, like recording it, like like pre-recorded. Um, of course I've posted like podcast content on my Instagram and things like that. But 
I got some downloads last night. And I was like, okay, like I really want to share these. I really want to share these messages. So I hopped on an Instagram live. I, th- I thought I was like super ready for it. And wow, like it was an ego death. Like it was literally an <laughs> ego death because I got on and I mean, there, there, there was just so much that was coming up for me, like where I literally had to turn it off. Mm. Like, wow. like, 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 I, like I had to get off of the live and, you what know, ah, <laughs> uh, shame mm. and embarrassment, um, a feeling that people, uh, didn't care about what I would have to say. Mm. Um, yeah. Isn't that funny? Because obviously people do care about what you have to say. You've been doing this podcast for a while. You've been putting your material out there for a while. And so you know that people care about what you have to say. There's something deeper here because a part of you is saying, yeah, people care what I have to say, but only when it's polished, only when it's edited, only when it's perfect. So Mm -hmm. what's underneath that, you know, for you? Yeah. What's the the core fear is the question. The ability to express myself with clarity. So in a sense, like this perfectionism around how I show up. Yes. Yes. And underneath the perfectionism is this running thought of who I am is not okay. So I have to present this edited version, or I have to keep everything so tight. The energy around perfectionism is very constricting. There's not a lot of space. There's not a lot of play. And for people who are perfectionists, and I, 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 I have been in my past and definitely still wrestle with it, your version of life, it, you're living in an alternate reality of, of constriction it's like being a little bit choked off from the beauty of and the pulse of life at all times because there's so many rules and so it's like you know I asked one of my clients this the other day I said what are you afraid of we identified it fail she was afraid of failure and afraid of not doing enough afraid things wouldn't be perfect in her job so what would happen if you just got off that treadmill what would happen you just got off the treadmill of not good enough, still more to do, has to be perfect. What if you let yourself fail? Like, let's really go into that. What am I unwilling to feel? Like, what is it that there's a feeling that I'm unwilling to feel? If I can get in touch with what that is and look it in the face and maybe allow myself to feel it before anything actually occurs, then it's not so scary. It's like someone telling you how the scary movie ends. If you if you know the ending, you're not really so afraid of the thing happening because you're like, oh, I've faced that. So do that. You know, everyone can do that as a practice. It's like, don't let, don't spend your whole life running away, looking behind your shoulder for a fear that might never bite you in the ass. It's like, mm-hmm. what kind of life is that? Just turn around, stop running and look at it. And be like, oh, hey, man, what's up? (laughs) Moving Mm -hmm. on now, letting go of that energy, stepping into the truth. Right. It's almost like this feeling of like always of like always having a script. 
you know like in your like like kind of like in your head like just like like just like trying to like pre-plan everything let me ask you something nick can you name a couple of people in this sphere that you respect the most Aubrey Marcus, mm-hmm. Luke Story, yep. Shaman Durek. Mm-hmm. I know all of these men, like per- personally. Um, well, not Shaman Durek so much, although we're in the same sphere. But, mm. but Aubrey and Luke, you know, Luke's even been on my podcast, and I know these men personally. And if you and if you go to my podcast, you listen to the episode with Luke you will hear an incredibly vulnerable share. Aubrey too, if you get his newsletters, if you've met this man in person, he will tell you some super unflattering stories about himself, right? And so part of what you love about these men is ironically the thing that you fear the most about yourself can you see how you're trying to teach yourself something here your soul is calling you to these people and these people have mastered the art of allowing the truth of who they are i mean aubrey all the time he'll decide something and then he'll change his mind he'll be like like you know a few years ago he was he was mr um open relationship he was telling everybody how how great polyamory was and all these things now he's married monogamously and he just says oh okay tried that tried this thing you know i might try a plant-based diet then i'm carnivore (laughs) diet then you know and so many people get so stopped up and stagnant because they're like well i committed to that thing that was my identity and i'm not allowed to change it or people might think this this or that about me like who who made that rule Who said we aren't allowed to change jobs? We aren't allowed to change our minds. This is expansion. This is what growth is. So naming that too. And and when you you show up as a human being on social media to do an Instagram live and you're nervous and you call that out and you say, guys, this is my first Instagram live. Actually, to be honest, I feel like I'm kind of doing a bad job and I'm a little nervous right now and I kind of want to jump off. Hey, has anyone else ever experienced that the first time that they did something? And you invite people in when you take the armor off and you say, hey, I'm just a human being just like you. We've got enough people that are feel like inaccessible heroes or celebrities or people who are just being performative. That's not what our world needs. We need the authenticity and vulnerability in every single flavor. And one of those flavors is you. You and every single person listening to this has a unique flavor that we need in the world to show up just the way that it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like, (laughs) if you're not, if you're not able to, the more limited your capacity is to, to stand in that truth of who you really are. It's not only you that's not feeling anything. It's the other. You're not allowing the other person to feel or experience any of you. You know. Yes. Yeah. If something's not flowing in your life, you know, I, I work in the coaching space, so sometimes a lot of my friends are coaches, and 
it's easy to see your coaching friends and myself included going through these waves where it's like all, all these clients, all of this stuff happening, all these podcast interviews while you're in the flow. And then sometimes people go through dry spells and the reflection is like, what is it about your energy that needs to be fine-tuned? If you're not attracting your clients, if you're not mag magnetic in your energy, what's going on here? you know, because there's some scarcity mindset or there's some undeserving or there's pieces here where you're trying to put up a front and show up on your social media being like, hey, everybody, and I'm doing this thing. It's going to be really great. But like your energy just says otherwise and people, we can't really put our finger on it, what we didn't like about a video or why we skipped it. But there's something there and that, that something there is energy. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can detect <laughs> like everyone can detect like if you're hiding completely in, in any situation not just work situations like talk about dating you know like what is chemistry how does that come about and you know me I'm dating right now I'm meeting new people and and they could be saying all the right things you know and sometimes people say things and you know what they're saying they don't even believe. It's like, you can tell they're saying, oh, well, yeah, I overcame this, or I'm, I'm launching this thing and it's gonna be great. <laughs> and it's like, they're trying to convince not only you, but themselves. Mm -hmm. Have you ever experienced that? Where you're just like, yeah, they don't even believe what they're telling me. That's energy. And I think that at this point in my life, I'm looking for people who are more willing to say, I'm launching this new thing and I'm terrified and I have fear that I'm not doing it right. And I feel embarrassed to even admit that those are the kind of people that I'm like, you are my type of human. Let's like unpack this together. Let's be in this. Yes. Like I, I don't need, um, I don't need the performative people in my life anymore. It just, you know, it's just, uh, I don't have no judgment of people that are in that space really. Um, but what I'm calling forth into my life is is people who are willing to stand in their truth and own it. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I want to hear about some of the some of the key experiences that have shaped your awakening. Where should I start, Nick? I mean, I've had <laughs> I've had quite a ride in my first thirty years here on this yeah. planet earth i want to start with rock bottom which time <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah um rock bottom you know i i've i've danced with chronic depression in my life many many times i've had moments where I wanted to end this life many times. I've lost people that I loved. Um, either they actually died or we were separated. Um, you know, my, my stepbrother died of a heroin overdose at 20. Um, that event shaped me. I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease when I was 26 and that was pretty crippling. 
I lost my menstrual period for several years and you know all of my life force energy and vitality and sexual hormones were drained I just didn't even want to get up I lived in poverty for a while I was living off you know maybe $75 a week New York City trying to launch a company packing orders out of the trunk of my car in the middle of winter freezing my fingers off and uh, renting out my own apartment and sleeping in in beds with other people just so that I could eat and uh, make rent and um, you know just just years and years and years of of pain and and suffering and feeling or choosing the story rather which at the time I didn't realize but thinking I had to suffer you know and that that was the only way and I think only in the last year and a half have my eyes really been opened to to the idea that I am responsible for my own experience um, all aspects of it and that's a hard pill for for some to swallow and I know some people hearing that will have resistance to it they'll be like well this some things are just reality like this is just reality and there's no arguing it um I'm not saying events don't occur but the way that you choose to weave those threads of the events into the story of your life if it was a book you're the author you're the one writing down or typing out the lines so what kind of story you want to weave like is it a tragedy is it a horror is it a romance it's you get to decide that part it's how you respond to the events that's in your within your control it's do i blame the other person and they're a shit person because they're horrible and they said these things to me or are there learnings in every single thing that occurs and can i take responsibility for my piece of the energy in this interaction. So it really was, you know, the, the most profound changes in my life were when I decided that I was responsible for how I felt and started shaping my life based on that gnosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's, it's a very powerful place to be whenever you take responsibility for absolutely everything. Every single thought that enters your head, every feeling, every circumstance, every situation, the way that I put it is that like whenever you step into that place of complete responsibility, you have infinite resources because mm -hmm. absolutely everything that, um, that you're interfacing with is is all of a sudden a tool for your transformation and for your evolution. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective, that's really the only thing that matters. It's like, okay, sure, maybe this is painful. Sure, maybe this is, um, you know, undesired. But I can see this as an opportunity to go even deeper into myself, to develop a deeper relationship with myself, with with god with creation um yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's it's uh it's where we take all our power back when we take responsibility and I'm not saying it's easy like when you have to take when you decide 
to take responsibility for everything that's occurring in your life and how you're feeling about it, you have to have some hard looks in the mirror and you might see some ugly things for a minute and you might recognize some areas in your life where you see repeating patterns and the awareness coming to awareness for the first time of those repeating patterns is not fun. And we, we have this propensity as human beings to want to be at the next level, right? So to become aware to where, to what our shortcomings are would require us to bear witness to that and to sit in that for a little bit, soak in it and, and not run away in order to be able to change it. And honestly, I think that that's why a lot of these, we protect ourselves from it. So that's why you have the, the, the ego and, and keeping things below the line of, of our, our conscious mind is, is protective programming. And what the work, part of the work of waking up is, is being willing to take those things from underneath the line of, of the subconscious mind and pull them out and look at it and be like, huh, didn't know this was here. Okay, this doesn't belong here. I'm going to uproot this and choose a different story, plant a different seed, mm-hmm. pulling out the weeds and planting seeds of beautiful things in the garden of who we are. Yes, that's so powerful. <laughs> What's been on my mind lately is like, I mean, I, I say I probably say this to myself like dozens of times a day. It's like, I am not here to run away from the darkness. <laughs> like, period. Like, um, I have a friend who I, I greatly respect her. We're very great friends. Um, and I'm not going to disclose her name. And we've come to terms with the fact that we have, you know, we have different perspectives on um i guess you could say the darkness or what like spiritualists would call like dark forces and energies and things like that and you know i honor hers i honor her perspective and she honors mine um but i think it's important to share it's like for me personally i i i just can't afford to come from this place where i'm running from anything from any perceived dark force whatever it may be like that's just like my my position on it because i i can't give my power away to anything to any idea to to, to anything um yeah because i i i just desire to be in complete love and freedom within my reality Mm. yeah that's a that's an interesting one about the dark the dark forces and um you know how much of that is truth how much of that is investing in a certain belief system and i remember feeling you know even the desire to say something like oh there's a dark entity on me or there's a negative energy it's like okay well maybe but what does that really mean to you? And what is the importance of being able to label it that? The truth is you're feeling an energy, you're feeling a denseness. Great, acknowledged. And the very natural human desire to like know where everything comes from is there. Can you relinquish that? Just sit with the feeling of density, heaviness, 
And can you then choose from your place of personal sovereignty what is next for you? Because if you want, you can say there's a negative at entity attached to me and you can ruminate over it and you can call every shaman you know, you can pay all these monies and you can get people to release it for you, which no judgment, you know, I've, I've done things like that. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes that's what's needed for the mind to be able to believe, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. It's like to, to be able to have that validation that we're not in it alone. If that's helpful for you, do it. But also understand that, you know, in any moment we can choose to release those things. Um, we can choose to sink more deeply into what's really here, simply with the intention and the desire to understand. And I had a friend tell me, uh, his name is Omar, earlier on in the year, I was just feeling so much of this, like this heaviness and sadness following me around. And again, and I was back in that spiral of how come I'm always falling into depression and how come I'm always getting sad. And, and I talk about this a lot on my podcast, but this is what the Buddhists call the second arrow. So not only was I feeling the depression and the sadness, I was then hitting myself with the second arrow of the guilt and shame for not being a different way. So this is one way in which we drive ourselves further into the ground and keep ourselves small and keep ourselves in a story of undeserving is by adding these like heavier and heavier layers of emotion so that we cannot get up and we don't feel like living. And I asked Omar, I was like, what is this about? Like, what is, what is around me? What is attached to me? What is this? And he was just like, oh, that's you. <laughs> and I was like, no, I refuse to believe that this heaviness is me. He's like, yeah, no, it's you. He's like, nothing, nothing can hurt you that isn't you. Like, it's all you. It's yeah. all you. And this is you being unwilling to face a part of you. And, and when we have, like I said, those ugly pieces, you know, ugly is just one word. They're not really ugly. They're just different, um, different shades, different shades of ourself, shadows, some call it. If we're unwilling to accept those parts of ourselves, we will live a life where we are constantly rejecting some parts of ourselves. You will never be whole. You have to be willing to love even those shadowy bits, like the bits you don't wanna talk about, the bits you don't want anyone to know, you know? You at least have to come, hopefully, by the end of your life to a point of just being able to look at those things and laugh at them and think they're a little cute and quirky. And that's how you'll be able to free yourself. Yeah. Yes. To like be in that state of like feeling like you're on a psychedelic all the time. You know Pretty what much. I mean? Definitely, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Definitely. That, <laughs> and that's the thing, too. It's like the more I think it's important to see these shadow aspects is not just like i feel like it's very easy to think about uh these shadow aspects of like pieces of you know like our like our image or our identity so like for example like um sometimes i really hate my hair and, and i'll spend way too long in the mirror trying to like perfect it you know or like trying to perfect like every curl and a test for me is like, okay, like, you know, what? I'm just going to walk the fuck out, like not doing it today at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it's things like that, but it's also like, okay, why do I have so much discomfort right now around the idea of enjoying this 
quote unquote unhealthy meal with my family mm. you know what i mean and being stuck in that like time loop of like okay i ate something quote unquote unhealthy two days ago if i eat something unhealthy again tonight then i'm gonna lose my connection to the divine you know what mm-hmm. i mean like i'm gonna you know what i mean like it's just like kind of reintegrating all of these aspects and being able to find the truth beneath it all and like just finding this baseline um groundedness um in in the fact that like nothing can really be taken away from you mm-hmm. yeah and you know can you love that part of yourself that maybe wants to lose its connection with the divine and can you surrender control of having to always be identified with the ego covering of something new, which is now the person who is spiritual? It's just a different identification, right? So, so you know, just, just loving that too. There's a, I believe that we came here to be embodied, to have free will, and to have the ability to forget and remember because in that contrast and the forgetting and remembering and the the grief of forgetting that disconnection and then it's like being reunited it's like falling in love again you know it's like how how much would we appreciate the the process of falling in love with somebody if we were born always being in love like you know, if we were born in love and had that feeling of love our whole lives, we wouldn't need to, we maybe wouldn't need to come here to planet Earth because we would just be these, these higher vibrational beings that I believe do, do exist and are us in some way, shape or form that are just always living in love. But we come here specifically for this experience of, I think, forgetting and remembering and going through cycles of suffering because, you know, unfortunately or not so unfortunately, I believe the, the fastest way that human beings learn is through these washing machine cycles of suffering. And they bring us through a whole roller coaster of emotions. And our souls, like I was saying before, get to sand out the, the pieces um, that we desire to understand. These are our own personal discourses that we are each designing for ourselves from a divine seat of consciousness. So to, you know, I said something to one of my clients um, yesterday and I wrote it down and it was kind of like to wish away the suffering is to wish away the process of life. You know, to wish things always were easy is to wish away the whole roller coaster ride. You know, it's like, this is what you came here for. So strap in and enjoy it, laugh at it be compassionate, dig deeper, be curious, desire to understand other people's experiences, be humble, laugh at yourself when you get too uptight, ask yourself why you're doing things all the time. When you decide something, ask yourself again, be willing to be wrong and and understand that we came here to be happy. We came here to be happy and there are people all over the world whoever you are listening there are people with a lot less than you who are happy 
There are people with a lot less than you that, that are suffering. But there are people with a lot less than you living in tiny little villages, living very simple lives who are feeling deeply connected to their families, to the earth, to their sense of purpose. And that's the life that they've chosen for themselves. So wherever you are, don't disempower yourself with a story that this is just the way that things are for you. And I'm not saying it's not gonna take work, but we can all retrain our minds. We can choose different stories and belief systems. Sometimes we need support. That's why you're lucky that you know you have podcasts like this to listen to, teachers out there, people who have done it. And to, to follow your intuition when you find those leaders, you find those gurus, you find those mentors that align with you, that's your higher self telling you something that's saying, look over here, look over here, whether it's your, you know, believe in angels or guides. When something gives you an internal yes, it's pointing, look over here, look over here, follow this, believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. It's like being a full participant being a full participant of the experience and like what wants to come through you so i want to hear about <laughs> would you describe yourself as a black sheep <laughs> uh okay well let's have you define black sheep for me in, in yeah. your perspective so you know through my upbringing, it's clear that I'm just, you know, and this is not like a story that I try to like perpetuate and like, you know, from like a consciousness of like being the victim, but it is very clear that I am much different characteristically than everyone in my family. You know what I mean? Like I have always kind of been like that guy who, you know, could I you you know you could describe me as like an outcast, um, or the what do you call it? Um, the misfit. Mm. You know what I mean. So I, I'm curious to, and you know like that's like a, just a whole journey, in and of itself. And so I'm I'm, I'm curious like what um, if you've had experiences around that theme. We are all black sheep. I think you would be hard pressed to find a person who in some way doesn't want to define themselves as a black sheep. I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone that said to you that they always live their life with full sense of belonging. So I would say yes to the, to your question, but also the desire to be a black sheep is a desire to contextualize your life and kind of find um find meaning in in the experience of feeling lonely and being alone which is not a unique experience that's why i say we're all black sheep because we all are longing for that sense of belonging deep within ourselves we want to connect to to people and so i think that's the most important thing from your question is to to pull that to the surface and say we all have a desire to, to belong because i can sit here and tell you a story about me being a black sheep and how hard things were for me and um, I feel special in my story of all of that. 
or get to the truth, which is like, we all have this desire to belong. We all feel lonely. We all feel separate. We all feel like something is kind of wrong here. Like, are you sure I belong here? And for me, it's always been this like deep, deep inexplicable sense of, am I sure I'm supposed to be on this earth? You know, and that's why sometimes the feelings of, of suicidal thoughts or depression, it's like, I feel like my family is, is, you know, I have a, I have a great family on the physical plane here, but I've always felt just like I belonged in the stars. Like what kind of feeling is that? Um, maybe that resonates with you. Maybe that resonates with a lot of people listening. And that's why I'm saying we're all black sheep. So next time you meet someone, I don't care if it's the gas station attendant or the barista, you're not more special than them. <laughs> They're not more special than you. Everybody has a desire to belong. So choose that in that moment. Look them in the eyes. See them as you, as a reflection of you, as another black sheep, and meet them on a heart and a soul level. And you can live your life that way. And if you do, the results and the connection that you will feel will be miraculous. The connection is there for every single one of us. We just have to choose it. Often I fail at this. I like to choose the story of, of being alone and how hard things are for me. And oh, to, to do this work, it's very isolating and being a spiritual martyr, you know, like, you know, that's such a common one. And I'm not saying my, my, not to invalidate my feelings or anybody else who's doing this work. It's a lot to hold. It's very scary to put yourself out there. Like you said, with going on your first Instagram live, uh, it's, it's, you feel like it's that classic dream of, of, it's that archetypal dream of being at the front of the classroom naked and just feeling totally exposed. I mean, that's what this work is, but again, just, just sinking into that and laughing about it and feeling like, oh, that's your human part of you. That's just so sweet. That's <laughs> adorable that you really think you're going to be rejected when the truth is, when people see your naked light shining, you know, from the truth and from your heart and you're gushing out this ooey gooey chocolate chip goodness of just love and warmth, people are going to want to devour that. It's an illusion that keeps us separate from each other. It's an illusion of, of wanting to be special and put labels on and um, you know, oh, I'm a, I'm a cancer, I'm a Enneagram type four, like great. You know, I learn all those things. If they contextualize you to you, you know, if they, if they illuminate meaning in, in, and get you in touch with who you are, if they have you releasing emotions, if they have you asking yourself questions, great. But, you know, don't use those things like, well, I am this way because I'm Leo. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. okay, why are you so attached to validating that specific behavior within yourself? You yes. Know, like that, I mean, that's something different than, oh, interesting. My, you know, my astrology says this. Are these things that I can work with now? Because I, because they're, they're being revealed to me as a pattern. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, if you know, doing that type of discovery through those methods, you know, like if the, if that one method is like what you need right now, then perfect. Um, but I feel like at the end of the day, at least for me, it's about taking off every single mask 
every single mask um and just being able to like just be raw like completely raw in who i am 100 percent so how have you like actually become more comfortable with being seen as you are like fully <laughs> like 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 being able to stand in that truth without the masks mm. a lot of things i think many years of working on self-love and that's such a you know it's such a kind of popular phrase right now self-love but it's exactly what we were talking about before this process of of being willing to integrate the shadow parts so to open up the pandora's box of of conditioning and be able to take these little trinkets of who I am out and just really look at them and being like, huh, do I want this in here? Okay, let me try to understand this. Let me, you know, I, I was leaving a voice note for another client this morning and I talked about fear. And I think he, he was talking about fear around launching his next offering or showing up to the world with his dharma, because we've been having these talks about your, your personal legend or your dharma or whatever your gift is that you want to give. And he said, I don't know what mine is. And I said, I don't buy that. I think that you do know what it is, but you're just afraid to say it and admit it to yourself and to me, because once you do, you're going to feel like you're in denial of it if you're not moving forward. So it feels easier to say, I don't know what it is. And then he's like, you're totally right. This is, this is what it is. Like, you know, I said, if, if, if the economy dissolved tomorrow and nobody, like we woke up in an alternate reality where nobody really needed to work for money or anything anymore, we just all gave our gifts, what would you be doing? And so he was able to identify that. And then when we talked about fear, I said, so many people have this illusion that you need to get rid of the fear before you do the thing. It's like, oh, I'm almost ready to launch that. If I just get these pieces perfect, then it will be it will be right. And that's that is one of the biggest things that I've learned um, in able being able to create what I want and manifest things really quickly is I, I understand that the fear doesn't necessarily go away. The trick is, and this is what I told him, is to hold hands with your fear. It's like picture walking down the street with a friend. You're not, you're not pretending your fear's not there. You're not rejecting it. You're not turning away from it. You're also not letting it devour you. You're not letting it take control. You're not letting it pull you backwards. You're holding its hand. You're saying, I see you and like, let's walk this path together. And I like, I thank you. Thank you is what I say when I get afraid, when I go, sometimes I need to have a deep cry. I had a lot of stuff come up this week, just intense resistance of, of thinking I was ready to dive back into sort of like a deep soul partnership. 
uh, after a really intense breakup last year. And I thought, you know what? Okay, I, I think I'm ready for this again. And the moment I shifted my awareness to starting to allow romantic energy back into my life, it came very quickly. And then I realized that I was not as ready as I thought I was. And part of me wanted to be like, well, that person's just not this, or this energy isn't right because of this. And I noticed my desire to run away. And I cried and I went, oh, this is still here. And part of it was the shame of, okay, this isn't healed. Part of it was like grief for me of what had happened. Again, thinking that I was over certain things that had happened and there was still grief residue there. Okay, yes, yes to that too. What am I unwilling to feel? Let me, let me be with that. And then, okay, this desire to run away, this desire to shut down, this desire to go back into the, it's just easier to be alone. Other people complicate things story. Okay, this is all still here. And what do I say to it? Thank you. Thank you for showing me what's still here. Thank you for showing me where my work is right now and where I can grow. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. I like I liked the way you're, you think about that because it's like, yeah, it's being able to see that opportunity in every single moment. So like I can think that I'm, you know, way beyond compulsive eating. And if I have a night of compulsive eating, like the next morning, like whenever I'm feeling that shame and that guilt, I'm like, okay, it's not, it's not even, it's not even about last night. <laughs> it's about right now. What am I being shown right now? I'm being shown that I still have this deep capacity to feel shame and guilt over a decision that I made. It has nothing to do with last night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, totally. And you're actually reminding me of a funny thing that uh, I was speaking of with the the men in my men's course, where we were talking about, we, I, I gave them this exercise of interviewing women in their life about safety. So I said, everybody this week, interview one woman in your life about her experience of safety, physically, emotionally, and come back and report to the group. Now, many of them decide to interview more than one woman. And I was surprised at first because the, the group chat's usually pretty busy. And it was real silent after I gave this, this assignment. So the other day I went in and I did individual check-ins with them privately. And I was like, hey, where's your video? What, you know, what's going, what's coming up for you? And what I was finding was more than I anticipated, these men went into a deep process because what they uncovered in these kind of casual interviews, they thought was so deeply harrowing to them that a lot of them needed to like take a beat to process and they they heard stories from female friends of theirs from their own mothers some of them from their ex-wives um about situations where they had been sexually taken advantage of or put in unsafe situations they'd been lied to they'd been manipulated they'd had their partners forcing them to have experiences they didn't want um 
and you know they, or they were betrayed by you know people like even doctors or people who had to, you know just all of these things that uh viscerally are a part of you know the the experience of being embodied as a with as a female in this life and it was a deep awakening moment for a lot of them that I think they needed to sit with. And there was a lot of shame and grief and, and feelings of helplessness as a male, you know, what can I do? And also I'm not like those men, but I know I'm part of the, the problem in some way. And how can I, so there's just like a, a lot coming up, but we've been talking about this theme of safety and, and I'll close this loop with what you said that reminded me of, of it was, you know, sometimes things are not about the thing we think they are, and particularly with women and this theme of, of safety in the emotional sense that I've been talking about with the men, is women often test men, whether consciously or unconsciously, to establish their sense of safety and security. Because if we're talking like on an evolutionary level, women typically being the smaller sex, the more vulnerable sex, men would be, you know, back in caveman times or hunting, hunter-gatherer times, the men would go out, they'd do the hunting, and if they didn't come back, the family was probably going to starve and the species wasn't going to survive. So that's biologically ingrained in, in us, and women were the nurturers and they take care of the children, and they have that des deep desire for love and safety and connection. And men have that desire to kind of go out and conquer the world with, with what their, their personal legend, their dharma, their gift, their offering is. And they need to be providing that or they're not going to feel that sense of, of um, like soul satisfaction. And so one example we were talking about in the men's group was this idea of a woman asks her partner to run out and get some milk, right? really simple thing happens all the time. Hey, babe, can you stop and get some milk on the way home? Guy comes home. She goes, where's the milk? He, he's like, oh, I forgot. The game's on. I'm just going to watch this and like, I'll run right out and get it afterward. And she's like, but I asked you to get it. And he's like, well, we just, we don't need it for t right now. Right? Like we have enough until the morning. The kids will have it in the morning. I'm going to go get it later woman is livid like why is she so mad right about about this idea of the milk and what i said in the men i was like guys it's not about the milk it's never about the milk it's not the milk like let me tell you that especially with women it's quite often the thing that she's upset about is not the thing it's the energy between the two of you and it's that a need of hers was a need for security or safety or reliability was threatened. So even if you say, you know, oh, I'll get it before tomorrow morning, you, you know, you failed the test. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like, I'm so sorry. I know I told you I was going to go do this thing. Let me go remediate that right now. You know, that's, that's the rapport. That's what she's looking for. She wants to know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. It's like uh, the four agreements, you know, one of them is be impeccable with your word. This is the work of Don Miguel Ruiz. Be impeccable with your word, because if you don't show up and do what you say you're going to do, not only are you undermining how other people can trust you, you're undermining how you can trust yourself.
how are you going to believe that you're going to do anything you say you are if your word's not impeccable? You're breaking promises to other people and yourself. I don't care how small they are. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's when you're really betraying yourself. Yes. Okay. There's a lot there. The first <laughs> thing that really resonates with me is that last night I had a nightmare. And I woke up from this nightmare with, I don't know if I've ever felt so much empathy for people and women in particular who have been through a situation of sexual assault or harassment or whatever it may be. But I was in the dream. I was like in my bed, right? And um it felt it felt as if there was like a hand over my mouth and that that I was suffocating. It felt like I was being suffocated by darkness. Um, I couldn't see anything, and in this very vulnerable state, I was calling out for help. And every time I would call out for help and kind of like um, look outside of me for help it would only get worse it was uh, it was almost as if i was asking the thing that was perpetrating me that was violating me to help me and i mean like literally in like in this dream like i was literally being like touched like below the belt and it was like very uncomfortable and like i it was such an interesting vision an interesting dream and i woke up from that from that and like of course i had my downloads about you know um because i I, i've definitely had a lot of dreams like in that underworld place where like it really teaches me that help is not outside of me it's within me i have to find that security within that light within um but very but very importantly it's like i i really felt that empathy for for women in particular and I just like I I just viewed it in such a a different way Mm. what a what a beautiful dream you know what a beautiful teacher and I think that the dream space when utilized can be a space wherein we have experiences and we can live them out and we can titrate the lessons and the learnings without ever having to experience them on on the physical plane. That's really important. It's like you do a certain amount of learning in your waking life, but think about sleeping a third of your life, right? Eight hours a day. What if you could use that time? What if you could use that time to, to go deeper into your learnings, to expand further as a human? You can and, and it starts with, you know, the desire to remember your dreams. And then once you start consciously remembering your dreams, you, you, you're writing them down, you're looking at the symbology. And then once you reach the next layer, you're working within the dreams. If you can start to work with lucid dreaming and consciously choose to steer within your dreams, that's kind of the next tier. And you can use this time to go incredibly deep into your own um, un- unveiling of your own soul. And I love what you said, because I bet you now 
you are in touch a little bit more with the experience of a violation, how that feels. And what that has effectively done is increased your, your ability to empathize with people who have directly experienced that within this incarnation on this physical plane. You now have that piece under your tool in your toolkit that perhaps you don't need to choose to actually experience that on the physical this time around. You can just recall that remembrance, that blueprint of the experience of that feeling and, and use it. Yes. So you have experience with lucid dreaming? Yes. <laughs> Same. I had my first one like last month. Um, it was actually, it felt like a confirmation for me because it came like the week after So like for most of like my path, like I had really been doing like 15 minutes of meditation a day. And eventually there came a point where like I, I was sitting around my house and I just had so much time on my hands. And so I would have these periods where I was just like bored and I'm like, okay, like just sit, just meditate. And so eventually I started meditating like two, three hours a day. And so I saw that first lucid dream as like kind of like a validation from spirit saying okay like keep doing this you know like Mm -hmm. stay with the meditation practice because i had been trying to lucid dream for like two years (laughs) yeah um but yeah that's that's very beautiful yeah that doesn't surprise me because you were in training yourself in, in those brainwave states right like the state of meditation and and lucid dreaming there's a lot of overlap there and most people have experienced it but they don't know they've experienced it where there's those moments of falling asleep but you're not quite asleep and you're not quite awake and you're in that sort of in-between space where you're experiencing body paralysis so the body's already fallen asleep but the mind is still a little bit awake it's very, very similar to the experience of lucid dreaming. So you're, you kind of have this lofty awareness that the body is not really movable. Um, and then you, you have this experience of knowing with it, that you're within a dream. Or for me, I use the terminology, I'm in another layer. Um, and by layer, I mean dimension or timeline or experience. Uh, because dream kind of to me it's very cartoonish it's like oh I'm watching a dream Um, but for me it's not really just watching something it's like living it it's like an embodied experience when when I'm in the dream state and I experience something horrifying uh, I I feel it like I feel the sensory feelings of it if I experience something orgasmic within a dream I feel it like it's happening so um you know, I, I, I say I'm in another layer. And so when I'm experiencing something in another layer that I don't want to experience necessarily, I can be lucidly aware of, of what's being triggered. And also, so I can choose to stay or I can choose to leave. So sometimes I do choose to leave those, those layers of unpleasant dream experiences that I, that I don't want to be in. Like I had one a few months ago where I was being strangled. You know, I was in a dream where um, a woman said, Hallie, can I, can I talk to you for a second? I just, I want to talk to you in here and kind of pulled me into the bathroom at, at a house. 
and leaned in like she was going to whisper sort of like a private secret to me. But when she leaned in, she put her hand around my throat and just kind of gently started dragging me to the bathtub. And there was no water in it, but she, she pulled both of us into the bathtub and put her arm around me in a very eerie, creepy way and said, you're going to stay here with me forever. Like, you know, you don't have to fight it. Like, you're going to stay here with me. And I could feel the experience of the air leaving my lungs. I could feel that choking out sensation. And I became aware that it was a dream. And, and I said, okay, Hallie, this is not, this is not how we're going to go down anyway. You know, we're not dying this way. And I choose to, to leave. I choose to exit this layer now. I don't want to, I don't want to live the trauma of whatever this, this experience is. Like I got it. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I came to lying in my bed with my eyes wide open. They probably had been open for over a minute before my vision actually s- slid and slipped back into, into like full sense. Um, and, and the ceiling came into view and my heart was racing and, um, you know, I, I, I kind of came out of it like you, you described, almost like trying to make sounds, like trying to call out for help, but nothing coming, coming out. But that was a way that like I kind of pulled myself out of the dream lucidly. I woke up, it was like three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah, lucid dreaming can be fun or it can be like, really intense. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of like one of my, this one dream I had in the underworld where I was at my mom's house and I mean, it really like kind of like draws to like this theme of like abandonment, um, like being abandoned by my mom. Um, not like, (laughs) not like in the actual sense, if you know what I mean, like not like her like literally leaving me forever but you know like through childhood um kind of always wanting her with me but in the dream i was like looking out of the window for her wow i'm just gonna be honest and say what's coming up for me right now it's like it literally like uh i yeah i i like this i i just want to express this because it's like (laughs) I, i i sense like my awareness like at this at this moment it seemed so choppy it's like i it literally felt like a part of me like didn't even want to continue saying that story and i know that you know from my perspective it seemed like that was something that you felt it was almost like this like diverted attention like part of me wanted to be here um and part of me was going over here and there was like some judgment in there like some shame some guilt and like I'm not going to go on with the story because I don't completely see the need for it. Um, but I just thought I, that I would express that because it was very alive for me. Mm. That's beautiful, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. So I have two more questions for you. What are some words that you would have for people who feel like they're in the dark right now? when you're in the dark you are in an altered state 
And what I mean by that is your experience of what's going on in the world is shrunk. Like you put a cashmere sweater in the dryer, it's tight. And it feels like everything is constricted. Everything has like the world has its color drained out of it a little bit. And you can't really see very far beyond your own face or your own experience. And and what that looks like and sounds like is, is kind of, you know, and I don't mean to say this in a bad way because it's not, but it's an inflated state of ego, which is basically like the toddler in us takes over and it becomes a, a, like everything's a melodrama and everything's hard. And we keep re- rehearsing that story of, I'm so alone, I'm all, I'm by myself in this, no one understands me, no one values me, I, you know, I, there's no point in me even being here. And I always say, you know, we have 68,000 thoughts a day, 98% of them are, are repeating from the day before. So you think you have free will. Mm, yeah, but you're running a computer program that's repeating over and over. And the more that you're rehearsing, or the more that those programs are running unconsciously, the more or the more you're myelinating or deepening the grooves of these these axons, these nerves that are firing in a certain pathway. So it's it's that saying like nerves that fire together wire together. So if you're thinking consistently negative, contractive, sad thoughts, you are going to deepen that computer program. That's not meant to sound heavy. It's actually meant to sound um, hopeful because that then again, if we choose the story of empowering ourselves, we recognize that this sadness is not a thing outside of us. It's not a, it's not a circumstance of the things that have have been done and there's no way we can overcome it because we've we've gone through so much trauma. You, you you probably have. You probably have been betrayed or rejected or abandoned or wounded. You maybe do have PTSD. You maybe, you know, have never had anyone fully understand you in your entire life. I'm not trying to take those feelings away from you. You have every right to feel all of that. You know, I'm not, I'm not here telling people to bypass their feelings. I'm telling people to feel them, acknowledge them, hold hands with them befriend them, lean in, get curious. So like I used to say to my depression, what I desire to understand you. Like, why are you still here? You know, like I, I and I'm not saying that to try and kick you out the door. I'm saying that because I want to heal this. And so like the Buddha invites Mara to tea, you know, Mara is kind of this, this God of, of chaos and illusion. It's like, Buddha doesn't say, no, that doesn't belong here. He says, Mara, come sit with me. I desire to understand you. Let's have tea. So I would say to my things, my loneliness, my depression, I would say, come sit with me. You can sit with me. We'll have tea, but you may not stay. You know, you may not take root. You may not take hold in my being and take over. I'm here for the learnings. And I know that I came here to be free. I know that I came here to be happy. And I don't know how I'm gonna do that. I don't have to have all the answers, but the intention is there. I desire, I desire, I desire. 
And anytime that you find yourself, and this is this is the name of my my podcast, is the Thought Room. And I'll just share a story really quickly, which is the name of that podcast, and actually the entire existence of that podcast came from my first set of ceremonies with ayahuasca. And I had an experience. This was in May of 2019. I had an experience in one of my first ayahuasca ceremonies of being lucid inside of this dark, infinite void, you know, like a black sandbox, just like nothingness, like a like a movie theater with all the lights turned off, completely pitch black. I was inside of something like that. And then I had a thought, you know, and of course I'm, I'm on this highly psychedelic brew, <laughs> ayahuasca. And I had a thought and the experience of having a thought in this infinite void was, it appeared in that dark movie theater, infinite void, like a pop of color, like a, a droplet melting into the space. So I think the thought was like, wow, what an amazing experience I'm having right now. This is so, this void is so peaceful or something like that. And as soon as I thought that thought, it was like, blip, just this little, little dripping droplet of rainbow color started to pulse around me and sort of melt into this kaleidoscope orb of like a room, but it was all pulsing and it was very Dr. Seuss, like whimsical, moving like DMT parts. And I was looking around and I was like, wow this is this is amazing look at these colors look at this experience i wish i had someone to share this with and the moment my thought switched from an expansive thought of this is so cool to i wish i had someone to share this with i'm so lonely the room went and it shrunk it got tight like that sweater i felt like a choking sensation i felt my heart shut down all the color drained out of it and it was i started to feel cold and i was like oh my gosh what is this this is and then i realized that i was doing it and so i i had the awareness and i was like oh i have to cheat i have to choose a different thought and so i kind of laughed about it and i was like yeah i'm alone but I love hanging out with myself and the room grew and it became pulsing again and colorful and it was in that moment I had this just mind exploding rapturous realization that I was steering this whole thing. I was steering my experience of every single day as I walked through it with the thoughts that I was allowing to, you know, these 68,000 thoughts I was allowing to cross the threshold of my mind. And didn't mean I wasn't going to have, you know, unhelpful, because I don't even like to call them negative thoughts, but unhelpful thoughts from time to time. But the point was to just when I, when I have them, to notice, to first notice, because if you can't notice, if you can't become aware, then then you're unconscious. Like we said, you're, you're running a programming. So, you know, developing a practice like meditation where you can, you can catch those thoughts when they try to cross the threshold. And then when you catch them in your net, you can just release them. You can just redirect them and you can say, oh, okay, interesting. I was feeling insecure about the IG Live. Um, how do I want to feel? I want to feel confident. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel playful. And you just, in that moment, you're, it's like the vending machine of feelings. You just, you choose a new feeling. You're like, yep, no, this is what I order. 
And so the experience of the thought room, after I came out of that ayahuasca journey, I wrote down in my integration journal, remember the thought rooms. Remember if you, um, if you're having an experience that you don't like how it feels, choose a different thought. You know, if you're inside of a room of thought that that feels contractive, create a build a room of thought that feels expansive, and that ended up becoming the name of my podcast, the Thought Room. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It's like. Yeah, like you can create the experience and you can have fun doing it because like it's it's fun to be in that space of like being the magician or being the witch, you know what I mean? Because it, for me, like whenever like people use the terminology of like identifying with your thoughts, that makes sense, but a way that um a, a way of articulating that that makes that resonates with me a little deep more deeply is like what thoughts am i taking ownership of because it's like the thoughts that like really seem to take control of me are the ones that i just like i i literally just like like like, like they're like mine you know what i mean like i'm holding on to them so tightly where it's like this is like my thought you know what i mean and it's like being able to recognize that like what thoughts am I holding on to like that tightly? Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. So finally, what to you is the meaning of life? Hmm. The meaning of life is whatever you choose it to be for each individual. Um, you have that power. <laughs> It's all the story that we create around it. So I can't tell anybody else what the meaning of life is for them. Um, For me, I know it's about love. I know it's about love. I know it's about choosing, choosing love in all its expressions as often as I can. And that's my training. You know, in the gym of life, that's the rep, is lifting love in every interaction, in every exchange, in every word that I type, in every story that I hear, in every tear that I agree to witness in another, it's love. And it always has been. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. It's like, can I find love in every dimension? In, in yeah. every dimension. You know, Marianne Williamson says, um, love is what we are born with. Fear is what we have learned here. And I love that quote. I love that idea that like love, it's always been there. And it's the conditioning of this world. <laughs> that uh that tricks us into thinking we have to be anything other than that you know yeah it's like <laughs> love is like creating room <laughs> you know what i mean love is that room like choose that loving thought room and and sometimes sometimes the uh, metaphor i use with clients is like you wake up every day you're given a certain number of tokens 
and there's only two arcade games. There's a love machine and a fear machine. And we're being really general here because like love has a lot of expressions. It has a lot of like love would be the umbrella term. Same with fear. But love can express like giving, love can express like friendship, love can express like understanding, compassion, leaning into leaning into your fear. Love can express like vulnerability. Like these are all names for the same thing. Fear can express like shutting down, not saying the hard thing, um, maybe just staying stagnantly where you are. I'm not talking about like fear as in like, oh, I'm afraid of sharks. I'm talking about like bleeding into your all your little micro movements throughout your day and all your micro choices. Fear can look like choosing the junk food, but fear can also look like like love can look like choosing the junk food. It totally depends on the energy behind it, right? Because choosing the junk food and fear is like, oh, I shouldn't eat this because it's bad for me and it's it's going to make me fat or it's going to, you know, just ruin my connection with the divine. Or choosing the junk food sometimes is like, I'm going to get this burger and I'm going to so enjoy it. And I'm just going to allow myself to enjoy this. Because I know that my desire overall is to be happy and healthy. I know I do a great job taking care of my body. And I also know I I came here to live a juicy human experience. And sometimes that includes eating cheeseburgers, Mm -hmm. right? And you you can feel the energy behind those two things and how they're different. So back to the arcade is like, you wake up every day with, with this certain number of tokens and in every thought, in every word, in every interaction, in the energy that you choose when you show up to a job, a job interview, a lunch, a moment with your kids, you know, creating the thing that you're creating, you're writing, whatever it is, are you choosing it out of love or out of fear? Are you distracted? Are you avoiding? Are you grasping? Are you pushing? Are you pulling? Or are you being? Are you in presence? Are you in receiving? That's the difference. And that's the choice that we make in every single little moment and thought. It doesn't happen all right away. It, it can't. And we're never going to be perfect. And just laughing about that too, being like, huh, okay. This is a game that doesn't end. But it's not about getting to the end. It never has been. Life's not about rushing to the finish line. We've heard that over and over. Every important philosopher yeah. has said that. It's about the journey. So the moment you can drop all the illusion that someday you're going to get there, you can just delight in the experience of now and choose to put your coins in the love machine every moment that you can, you start doing this immediately. And I promise anybody listening, you're going to immediately start to notice a dramatic shift in your life yes that is so powerful it's like love is unconditional like like it doesn't have to show up in a certain way like i was recently with my mom um you know living with her for like a month and a half and i mean we decided to like start doing therapy together right because there like we realized there were some communication issues that we were having. Um, But it was almost so easy to like kind of come from this place where it's like, we have to fix each other. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, like there is no problem. There is nothing to figure out. You know what I mean? Or it's like, 
if I'm with someone and let's say I genuinely like, like my truth in that moment is that I, I don't want to say anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Love does not mean me contorting myself in this certain way in order, you know, whether that's trying to appear playful or to appear lighthearted or joyful or whatever, like that's, for me, that's not my definition of love. My definition of love is being in truth and being comfortable um, within every present moment without needing to fix it or to turn it into something specific. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, Hallie, this is an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you being here. Of course, Nick. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you for having me, for taking this time and um, for for helping spread these messages of, of truth and of, of joy. I think that we need everybody all hands on deck, like I said, and every, everybody doing it in their own flavor. And to anyone listening to this who feels inspired by this conversation, I think that the invitation is to to think about how how you can do that how you can sprinkle goodness into the world in your own way you know it doesn't have to look like everybody else's but to stop telling the story that what you have to offer isn't up to par yet it's unfinished or it's not quite a value um to really just put yourself out there and to move into that thought room of expansion and and love and um you know for anyone wanting to connect with me um i'd love to you know, I, I'm, I'm all over Instagram. And so I tend to, I tend to write back to anyone that reaches out. And, uh, so people can find me at Hallie underscore Rosebud. So that's H-A-L-L-I-E underscore Rosebud, like the flower. And my website is HallieRose.com and then ThoughtRoomPodcast.com. And you can find the Thought Room anywhere on apple spotify wherever you get your podcasts and i would love to connect with anyone who really resonated with this conversation thank you hallie thank you for your energy and thank you for your mission i'll talk to you soon my pleasure thanks nick see you